This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Uh, it has been uh, quite a week or past two weeks with COVID-19 as far as the inpatient numbers have continued to drop. Uh, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, uh, vaccinations as well as Omicron. And also we'll finish the this episode with a uh, visit to the mailbag. Uh, what we're seeing in the hospital has been a significant decrease in the number of patients hospitalized for COVID-19. Um, as of this morning, we had a total of 13. Eight of those are actually truly uh, admitted with COVID-19. Uh, the others are admitted for something else and being treated. Um, but uh, that is a significant drop than where we were just three to four weeks ago. Uh, despite that, we continue to have a, a very busy medical surgical uh, service line. And that that stems from, I, again, I've mentioned that before, that it's that tsunami of chronic medical conditions which were not treated during the height of the pandemic and the lockdowns. And then that subsequently is presenting now with advanced cancer, advanced heart disease, uncontrolled diabetes, advanced kidney disease, and all the comorbidities that go with those conditions in presentation. And, and so that that is... That is, an, that is an issue, and that's why we continue to grow uh, or get, stay high as far as just the, the population of non-COVID patients, which the issue with that is that we had vacancies in nursing prior to the pandemic, and we have a significant number of vacancies now in trying to fill those, proceed, those positions. Um, you know, they call it the great resignation. Uh, I've heard that term used. It's just people have taken a look at their priorities and post or it, towards the end of this pandemic and moving post-pandemic, uh, maybe have changed occupations. Uh, I read an article in a kind of throwaway economic journal that uh, some two income families have figured out how they can make it on one uh, income, which uh, is uh, all the more power to that family. And hopefully that generates more family time. Uh, but we need, we need people to keep hospitals and businesses running. One thing that's been uh, we've been tracking, I wanted to report on it this week, is we talked about vaccinated and unvaccinated and how those started to equal out. And vaccinated is now 40%. Remember at one time it was 10%, uh, approaching 50% of the patients in the hospital. So that has changed. Now, the vaccination uh, being up to date does prevent death in ICU stay. So there is a benefit uh, on mortality and morbidity. But as far as entrance into the hospital, uh, the vaccine and unvaccinated are starting to almost uh, equalize. Uh, and whether or not that is a reflection of Omicron's ability to get past uh, the vaccinated or just that the vaccines are wearing off, it's hard to say. Uh, I think the Omicron has uh, been referred to of recent and it's gaining some momentum as a natural vaccine that it's uh, mild enough in most in some people uh, still causes se severe illness in some but in some it's very mild and they develop antibodies and i think at the national level uh, the discussion of natural immunity is gaining momentum that's the best way to describe it uh, and I, I think that's a good thing to talk about that and and develop metrics for natural immunity and how do we incorporate those in into what we're we're doing on a daily basis. Since the last time we had the update, they did pause uh, studying the vaccine for those children under five with Pfizer that was uh, put on hold. And the uh, uh, the pills 
the oral antivirals still are incredibly hard to get. I know of no patient that's gotten them or no physician that's prescribed them uh, here in uh, Eastern Iowa. Uh, if, if there is one, uh, please reach out to me. I'd like to know how things went and how the patient tolerated it. And as far as uh, statistics for the county, uh, active cases uh, as of this morning were 3,400. That's down from over 10,000. Uh, so that means the people in the active infected bucket are dropping and that's good, but that's still in the moderate, that's still outside the moderate range. It's in the high range of transmission and our rate of transmission is less than one at 0.75, which means uh, that the, uh, it, it may still be spreading to some degree, but it's spreading very slowly. And that is a good marker uh, to see. That's the end of the COVID update. Uh, it was a quick one this week, and hopefully they'll become more and more quick with less information to give because things are normalizing. But stick around, we'll have another episode of The Mailbag. Welcome back to The Mailbag. The Mailbag is a segment of the Live Well Talk podcast where we take uh, questions from uh, listeners, and they're always challenging questions, and I look forward to this this part of the podcast uh, each time we do it. Uh, our first question comes from Brian. Uh, with spring break approaching and COVID numbers declining, is there any reason to be cautious about spring break travel? Brian, I think there is. I think there is. Um, we still are in high transmission. We haven't hit the moderate transmission yet, and flying an airplane, uh, closed environments, uh, there is increased chance for uh, transmission. Uh, I know there's some debate about whether or not masking an airplane actually makes a difference. It, it doesn't hurt and it may prevent uh, you from acquiring it. Um, most people that travel uh, are required to have either vaccination or a negative COVID test prior to travel. But I do think when you're in situations where you do not have good air circulation, i.e. inside, indoor, uh, that, that, that it does uh, uh, put you at a higher risk. So it'll be interesting to see here at the on the medical staff wise, we as medical staff leaders, we've said, you know, let's April 1, let's take a look at things and then maybe start to try to unwind uh, some of the COVID uh, restrictions that we have in the hospital in regards to patient care that I, I don't that will just start to discuss it on April 1. I think that will give us reasonable insight to say what what influences spring break and travel having on this. Uh, we know that the disease spread by air, uh, air airplanes uh, and spread quickly. Uh, the world is a smaller place these days, um, I, but uh, that that that'll be yet to be seen, and uh, we'll keep the listeners informed of that. Our next question is from Alexandra: Are the free at-home test kits the government is providing as effective as detecting COVID-19 as a test performed by a professional? And by professional, I'm sure she means professional lab. That depends. If it's antigen testing, probably not as accurate as molecular testing, which is the PCR. So if you're having PCR testing with the home kit, that, that probably does have uh, reasonable uh, uh, accuracy and less so with the antigen. However, with the antigen, if you're falsely negative, meaning you do have COVID, but the antigen test is negative, that probably is reassurance that you're not infected. And uh, I haven't talked to Dr. Meyer over at Mercy. They use the antigen test. We use the PCR for our pre procedure testing. And I, I think both systems have worked well in detecting people that have COVID-19 and taking the appropriate measures prior to surgical procedure. Uh, so uh, 
I think that the, the, the bottom line is that molecular testing is more sensitive and accurate than the antigen testing. And uh, that would influence at least my decision making on which type of test it is. Our next question is from Jennifer. Uh, I keep seeing, quote, long COVID, in quote, in the news. Uh, how common is it really, and what are the most common long-term effects you've seen in patients? You know, I, when I first saw this, I saw long haulers with COVID and be like a title of a come across some medical journal. And I hate to admit this, but I thought they were talking about maybe truck drivers with COVID, like they're long haulers. Uh, and then uh, then the medical condition actually started to be described. Um, a colleague of mine, Scott Christensen, he's a physician up in uh, Manchester at Regional Medical Center. Uh, he called me probably two or months into the pandemic and said, hey, Dustin, are you seeing anybody with these long-term symptoms after they have COVID? And at that time, we hadn't. And so he really described it way back when he had a couple patients that did that. And I find that interesting because more physicians began to observe that. And they think it's a result of inflammation triggered by the virus. Uh, the one recent study, I think, believe we mentioned last podcast, causes inflammation of the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is your 10th cranial nerve, comes off the bottom of the brain and goes down to the diaphragm. And it regulates your gastrointestinal tract, breathing, swallowing. Uh, and so that inflammation causes people to be short of breath, deconditioned, fatigued, uh, maybe uh, some degree of gastrointestinal upset, uh, and uh, it can really... Uh, impair functional uh, capacity of individuals. Uh, and that is the most common symptoms. And, and it appears to be a, a significant condition that we continue to follow. Unfortunately, um, I think the only treatment at this time is time and just uh, giving the patient a chance to recover. Whether or not this will be a permanent phenomenon, it's hard to say. I, I've seen some uh, small studies that have said at, at a year post-infection, people still have some degree of impairment. Uh, so we know that it can go out to 12 months. Uh, hopefully, as time goes on, we'll be able to confidently reassure patients uh, that, uh, that this will get better over time. And that's all for the mailbag today. If you'd like to submit a question to the mailbag, go to unipoint.org backslash mailbag. Uh, I'll answer questions on COVID-19, latest medical technology, uh, or other procedures that we're doing here at the hospital and service lines. Uh, look forward or, or follow up to a previous podcast. Any questions about personal symptoms or conditions should be directed to your primary care provider. And in the event that it is emergency, you should dial 911 unless you can get to the nearest emergency room in a sufficient time. Uh, once again, uh, you can submit your questions to me at unipoint.org backslash mailbag. That's unipoint.org backslash mailbag, common spelling mailbag, M-A-I-L-B-A-G. I look forward to hearing from you, our amazing listeners. Thank you for listening to COVID-19 Update. For the latest on COVID-19, vaccine information, and more, visit unitypoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.